Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hello and welcome to another Financial Times Management podcast. I'm Adam Jones and for this episode I'm out and about in London talking to three experts on the employment market. I want to find out what the prospects are for senior managers who have lost their jobs or who fear losing their jobs. Who's hiring in these miserable economic conditions? And what strategies will get you a seat in their lifeboat? My first stop is just around the corner from St James's Palace at the offices of Buchanan Harvey, an executive search firm. Samuel Johar, its chairman, says unemployed bankers are not the only ones beating a path to his door in hope of finding a new position. Well, it started off with financial services people because the financial services firms were the first to start making redundancies and cutting back. But it is now spreading, spreading into retail and other consumer industries, airlines, etc. But also recently manufacturing and engineering From a jobs perspective, Mr Johar reckons the safest companies in the UK right now include the contractors that build and operate public infrastructure through the Private Finance Initiative, also known as PFI. The ones who are less affected by the recession, I think the PFI-type companies may be among them, particularly since the government is planning to give a stimulus to the economy by increasing the spend on PFI type of projects. So companies like Capita and Circo, etc., may be slightly less affected than others. Mr Johar says job seekers should consider foreign postings as another possible safe haven. But he says they should not put too much faith in the oil-rich Gulf states and the so-called BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India and China. Initially, people thought that the Gulf and the BRIC states were going to be unaffected by it, but that doesn't really seem to be the case. I think there is a slowdown pretty much everywhere. And yes, the Gulf states have a lot of money at the moment, so there's a certain amount of capital that could be spent by the Gulf states, and there are opportunities in that. But if one looks at the analysis, I mean, Dubai is in somewhat of a difficult state at the moment, given its market and the debt of the sovereign state. Before I leave, I asked Mr Johar to sum up what the victims of the credit crunch can do to improve their chances of landing a new job. I think first and foremost is flexibility. Second, they should keep their contacts fresh, whether it is with headhunting firms, whether it is with senior management consultants they know or clients they know, etc. Their network should be kept reasonably fresh. But the key tends to be not to be too demanding or prescriptive in a market like this, because A, it is unrealistic, and B, it tends to irritate the person you are talking to. My second rendezvous is with David Peters, a regional managing partner for Hydrogen Struggles, another executive search firm. Since networking is such an important skill in job hunting, I ask him for tips on how to do it properly. Quality networking you know, is not about spreading yourself about. Quality networking is about ensuring that you make contact with and are in touch with often on a quite confidential basis, uh, people that you know might be able to help you or be a point of introduction for you, and obviously to be in touch with, as appropriate, 
you know, those contacts that uh, you either already have or have been recommended to or referred to in the world of executive search. But what if you're a hopeless networker who has neglected your contacts? How do you go about approaching these people now without looking desperate? I think people often worry too much about this and, and make the mistake of thinking that because they may call somebody that they haven't been in touch with for a while that they will look awkward or seem as if they're a supplicant or, or maybe even feel that they're going to be criticised for you know, only calling somebody when they need to. You know, most people, especially good people, do understand that this is a circular business and everybody needs help at some point in their career and most good people, you know, especially if they have a connection to someone or know them, uh, are prepared to give it. And quite honestly, if they want to be sniffy about it and to turn you down or push you away because they think you're only talking to them at a particular point of need, then um, one shouldn't worry too much about people like that and move on to the next one. But I think the important thing is is to be selective about the network and, and you know, to be in contact with people that you know or have known, have worked with, people that have influence in areas that you want to be connected with, and find points of common interest. It's not just about personal contacts and extending a personal network. It's also about being engaged in and involved in the right forums. There are, you know, from time to time, various gatherings or seminars or opportunities to speak or to participate in an event. It's important to be involved in some of those, but again, selectively. It is amazing that things happen to people who get out there and, and get connected. They tend not to happen often for people who don't. Finally, I asked Mr Peters about the best way to approach a person you don't know directly, but who has been recommended by someone within your existing network. Having sent something in advance, usually as a, as a courtesy about you know, who you are, what it is you want to discuss, and then following up with a suitable call, if you have the mobile number of the person that you want to make direct contact with and you believe from the information that you've been given by your mutual contact that that person would not mind being contacted directly and that's the fastest way to get in touch with with someone that you want to talk to but in most cases one is wiser to talk to the secretary to the assistant and to be totally open and honest with that secretary or assistant about why you're making contact what you would like to discuss, why it may be of interest to their boss, and then leaving it up to them to decide whether they want to get back in touch and perhaps meet with you or not. My last expert is not another headhunter, but Paul Danos, the Dean of Tuck, the US Business School. He's in London for an alumni event, and I take the opportunity to return to the question of which organisations are hiring right now. I want to know the extent to which regulators are now recruiting finance specialists, given the belated move to more hands-on oversight in certain laissez-faire economies like the US and the UK. I think there's probably going to be, not so much, I think, for people who are, have lots of experience, but I think there's going to be a lot more entry-level positions for students coming out of graduate school. There's going to be regulation, there's no doubt, and, and the regulation is going to have to be based on analysis. And so I think there's going to be some very sophisticated systems put in for systemic risk assessment, and there'll be jobs for young people. So does this mean that regulators can now be viewed as sexy employers? Well, it's going to, it's going to be sexier because it, was basic, it seems like it was almost non-existent, and uh, I think everybody, after Greenspan's announcements the other day about his disillusionment with his approach, there's bound to be searchers for new ways of regulating these massive markets. So I think that's here to stay. But it's still going to be small compared to the private sector. The private sector is going to be orders of magnitude greater than any employment opportunities in any kind of governments. This particular analysis won't give much comfort to any older financial professionals who are thinking of moving to regulation. But overall, Dean Danos is surprisingly optimistic about the longer-term picture for the banking sector. I think that the banks will reorganize and consolidate 
And then there'll be the jobs, pretty much the same jobs are going to be available to the best people going forward, initially at a reduced number, but it's going to grow back. And, and of course, in 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we'll look, at, we'll look back at this as just a kind of an adjustment because the world undoubtedly is going to be massively business-oriented, massively business-oriented uh, as we go forward. Nothing is changing. China, India... Uh, the Europe, U.S., Latin America are not going towards some system that won't require financial experts in the future. Just the opposite. Some people won't share Dean Danos's optimism about the future of the financial services industry. Even if he is right, it won't come as much consolation to those who find themselves out of work right now. But for these and other victims of the credit crunch, the message is stay flexible and don't be shy about networking, even if you've been dreadful at it in the past. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.